And welcome to episode 34 of the Brood Sages. Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, is Sabaiku. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. We are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who couldn't decide between She-Ra and He-Man, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. Sabaiku, we have some community news, an update from easily one of the most dedicated uh, and fantastic equals players. Let's just say that out front. Yeah, a big thank you to Dirk again for providing the summary. Uh, it's, it's really great to have somebody involved in the tournament scene as our senior sports correspondent. So DraftBound has now turned into a weekly contest with 64 participants. Although some of the matches still aren't settled, the first week has ended, and the winners in Group A, the Singularity, Group B, Grim, Group C, Nello, Group D, Undead Ghost 254, Group E, Forever Zero, Group F, Arthas Rue, Group G, S Gamer, and Group H, Hanu. Everybody gets 50 rubies as a prize for winning the group. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, this was a, a fantastic success. And we wish everybody luck in next week's contest. Honestly, just looking through the winners from this week, these are all excellent players. Uh, um, and I'm sure looking at some of the other players in the group of 64, they were also excellent players. This is, uh, uh, I hate to say it, this looks really bruising. <laughs> this looks I like think- a tough competition and I am legitimately scared to enter and I'm really glad that uh, I'm too busy right now to do it. <laughs> right? Like, holy smokes. What? Where's the easy group? Can I sign up for the, for the easy group here? Holy smokes. All right. So moving on from there, we also have news about faction heroes. It has now ended. The winners are Vox, who played Swarm, AJMM, who played Shadowfen, Lord Draki, who played Ironclad, and Wolf played Winter. Uh, the Collector's Tournament has been moving kind of slow the last few days. Not a lot's happening. Currently in round four, there are, uh, if you don't know, there are four rounds plus the semifinals and finals. Dennis versus Garbage and Hanu versus Wakita are in round four fighting for a spot in the semifinals right now. And uh, there's also the Faction Wars, Sabaki. What's going on with the Faction Wars? Faction Wars is starting in less than a day. By the time you are listening to our recording, it should be going on. There are currently 22 players signed up. So if you're listening to this, it's probably too late, but maybe they can still squeeze you in if you're interested. Yeah, not all of the matches happen on the first day. Uh, it takes a couple of days to schedule them and stuff, so... Maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't want to speak for the, the last thing that I ever want as a tournament director when I'm running a tournament is someone say, oh yeah, just go ask the tournament director. They'll let you do X, Y, Z. <laughs> like, wait, sorry, what? <laughs> no. Uh, so I don't want to speak for the tournament directors, but um, if you if you get the chance, I hope any and everyone who's out there listening gets the opportunity to participate because these are some very fun tournaments. Uh, uh, pivoting from there, Let's slide into the main topic, which is uh, we are now, uh, well, give or take, just about a week into June. So we've got our new meta. Uh, the new meta includes a nerfed, finally unstable build and some other stuff that happened. Uh, but I don't know that any of those other nerfs, buffs, burfs 
are going to really impact the meta as much as that. I think we mentioned that in our last episode. Uh, Sabaiku, so far, what do you think? Yeah, so far, so good. Um, Unstable build is exactly like we expected. It's it's still really strong. It's still really good. Run it in your deck if you think that you need a two-mana structure that has a crap ton of strength. But it does now go away a little bit faster. It does now take a little bit more work to to keep on the board, which is you know, exactly what we want. Um, yeah, in general, it looks like it's working out. I have not seen a ton of ironclad yet this season, which is a, a definitely a surprise, definitely a change of pace. Um, because usually, usually ironclad is the number one faction that I queue into at least, you know, and judging by our meta report, most people feel the same way, <laughs> but I've been seeing a lot of swarm this month. Mm. Counselor Ami. Ami. Yeah. Ami buff has been very, very enticing for sure. Now, um, I raced to the Heroes League. I played um, mostly uh, the first three nights of the of the season. I pushed all the way up to the Heroes League. I made it on the third. Uh, so I did not see as much of the Ami experimentation. I, I, I think I queued into a couple of swarm players early but then i did see mostly ironclad on the rest of the climb because uh, you were seeing the serious players and um <laughs> right when you're saying at the near the rank floor you're seeing the people who are experimenting with the ami more than anything else um and yeah a lot of people are trying it out it's it's fantastic fun oh some of the photos make me laugh oh it's crazy watching people fill up the board with double digit strength uh, armies and then Saying, okay, go deal with this. <laughs> um, but but is it effective? Do do we have any early readout yet on whether or not um I mean it certainly is better than it was. I don't think anyone at this point is still trying to argue that this wasn't a buff. Ami is better. Ami is better. This was definitely a buff. This was just a straight up increase in power level, even though it is now no surrounding instead of no bordering. And less health at the, and less health for the and, first one. And less health in the first one. Uh, it's really hard to overcome that less health on the first unit that you play. Um, you you end up sinking so much tempo into it, and because you're limited where you can play Ami, right? You have to be playing it further back. You cannot be playing it aggressively early on. Um, most of the time, it, you know, sometimes you can kind of, uh, bait your opponent into playing on one side of the board and leave the other side open. So you can start getting Ami rolling. Your opponent can clear it because it's just not great strength value for the mana that you're spending, but mm -hmm. then you can start to work your way back up the board. And that, that's the ideal case, uh, in practice, it doesn't work out that way as much as you would like. In practice, your opponent can see what you're trying to do as soon as you play the first Ami. Uh, and that's usually a sign to them, you know, I have to rush. I have to get down the board. I have to just put units in the way so my opponent can't play Ami where he wants to. And once you can't get, you know, that fourth or fifth Ami down on the board to continue growing you really just just stall out and you end up losing the game if you can't 
if you can't recover from that. So I cued into Thomas Petri early on, on my climb, and he was doing something very interesting. I thought uh, one of the cards that a lot of people anticipated being a counter to Ami was Reign of Frogs, right? And he was running Edric. So that if you ever did play Reign of, Reign of Frogs, he would simply play Edric in response and then just get like an overwhelming board of Edric instead. Um, it was a little bit of a surprise, but he had also added in a little bit more AoE, uh, I think specifically to your point, to help kind of clear the board and make room for the Amis. Yeah. And that worked. My best success well all right my second best success with ami <laughs> came it comes from that kind of strategy right where i play aggressively get my opponent on his baseline and then on five mana or six mana i, I tr- start trying to set up the ami turn so that the next turn i can play Dark Harvest or Hunter's Vengeance, something to clear my opponent's response and kind of reset mm-hmm. the board. And if I can reset the board, then I'm playing units that get progressively stronger and my opponent is not. And in theory, I have the advantage. Uh, in reality, my best success playing Ami actually came from a couple of games where I accidentally queued up with a Winter Quest deck that I was doing against the CPU. <laughs> uh, and I had Harvester of Souls in it. And I just took my opponent's army and played it starting at eight strength. So I didn't have to deal with any tempo loss. <laughs> and that turns out worked much better. So if you want to play a successful army deck, listeners, go for Winter <laughs> Harvester of Souls and just start with a 10 health army. Boom. Easy. I love it. I love it. In general, I I don't know if anybody's nailed the deck yet. I sure haven't. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's good enough. Um, it's good. Let me start with that. It's good. Mm-hmm. It works well. It's fun to play. I'm not sure that it's good enough because other cards that buff strength still exist and kind of do the job a little bit better with a little bit more immediate impact. And I'm thinking specifically of Zuri or Bucks sure. of Wasteland. Uh, you know, Ironclad buffs are still really good. Uh, not a lot of people playing Fort Tonic out there, but I'll still see, you know, debug loggers and link golems and upgrade point. And it, it all works fine and it has immediate impact on the board. You're not really sinking as much tempo into building something up slowly i really like this mechanic because it's unique in the game the idea of building up like that um over time without card combinations right like i don't have to put down an upgrade point and then try to play around the upgrade point to continue getting value from it i just keep playing ami but there are positional restrictions on that that make it really hard to pull off my my concern is that it doesn't snowball fast enough to actually let you stay in the game. Interesting. I have to say, I'm actually going to go and, and, and claim it to be my favorite mechanic in the game. Um, wow. Oh, I know. I, and I don't even play it. I love the concept. I love the reward that you get for a play style that doesn't jam things down your opponent's throat Um you know, because I do feel, to your point, 
that the game is uh there's certainly an attacker's advantage and there's a tempo advantage because of that. Uh, whoever has tempo uh, tends to win. And there's something about Ami that just kind of makes you say, well, I don't really want tempo. Uh, in fact, I don't want my opponent to have tempo either. I really want to kind of clear the board and do this thing down near my baseline. That's going to elongate the game a little bit. Like I just, I, I love how it's incentivizing a, different kind of play because it's a kind of play that I think I'm more in tune to. Um, so I love Ami. I, I, I always liked Cthune from Hearthstone. I know we, we, we bang the Hearthstone drum a lot for a, for a game we don't like playing anymore. It certainly was fun at one point. Uh, and this has that same kind of, oh my gosh, it's getting bigger. Oh, he played another one. It's getting bigger. Like, I just, I like that. It, yeah, it definitely puts your opponent on a clock. Right. And and that part of it's great. Um, I do agree with you, though, that because it can't have an, any sort of, not, I don't want to say any, but but it can't have a, a heavy impact on play because of the restrictions. I, I do think you're right that like, you know, on nine mana, you could play two two drops, one of them being Doppelbox and Zuri over the top or you could play three Amis and they're probably nowhere near your opponent's baseline. And Zuri is probably on your opponent's baseline. Right. It's just, yeah, it, 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 it's not quite there yet. It's Yeah, it doesn't provide the immediate pressure in the same way something like Azuri does. But I don't know. I, maybe I just haven't found the right way to play it. Um, I'm trying to get better about not just trying to jam it on the board every turn uh if i don't have a spot to play it i've got to just cycle it back into my deck and Mm. and trust you know what i can move through everything else in my deck relatively quickly and come back to it soon enough so let's just toss it away so i don't lose the strength that i have accumulated on it so far and use my other cards to play defense until I come back to it. And hopefully when I come back to it, the board will be in a better state. So I don't want to give away his deck because he's constantly changing it and he's finding very interesting things, I think, to include in it. But I will say that the second time that I played uh, Thomas Petri, this time was at uh, Diamond 1 on our way to to HL. Uh, He beat me and he did so without ever actually playing on me. So it turns out, Ami, that game was very well suited for cycling. Uh, uh, so yeah, I think there is, because it's the new thing, there might be an over, uh, uh, um, rel- not rel- uh, but, but, but like people are overplaying it. it. There's an adjustment period for sure. Yeah, you people, have to figure out. Number one, people have to learn how to play it. And number two, it's fun to play it. Yeah, like, it is. Just enjoy the new mechanic and, and watch those numbers get bigger and bigger. That That is a lot of fun. All right. So now moving on from there to the shortest part of our um, episode today. Have you seen a Venom Falls Spire Joust Champion or Trekking Alderman? No. No? Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, moving on from there. So, Subaiku, I just finished playing The Brawl. It was actually one of my worst, worst brawls ever. And the one thing that was notable about it, though, was that I encountered two separate people successfully playing in the Frostlings have four extra health or four extra strength brawl. Two people playing just maxed out ironclad decks because their cards are really good. Yep. 
and actually i played uh against overdrive a well-known mm. ironclad player in the discord playing an ironclad deck too it works just fine in this brawl um especially if you play a much more aggressive version. Yeah, uh, I I encountered one opponent playing, even Greengill was finding really good use. Um, but uh, the first opponent I was uh, playing was basically using push with runners. So so you would push one of my units all the way back to my baseline. You could use uh, Windmakers because it turns out Windmakers doesn't kill anything uh, when you put a giant Frostling down, right? So it would take a bunch of damage and go back to my baseline. Then they would just fly Eloth over the top and then throw a runner in. Because now, now they just put a 10 health on my baseline, got a runner in, uh, you know. And, and so as long as they could prolong the game to that point, which it turns out Ironclad can do, you know, for two mana, he can deal nine damage to one of my cards by simply dropping an unstable build in front of it. Uh, it was very effective. I think Ironclad's still in an excellent place even after this unstable build. That's kind of the the point I'm trying to make here is sure. I, I know that Brawl is not indicative of ladder, and that's the fun of it. That's the benefit. But at the same time, I struggle to imagine a Shadowfen deck being able to compete as effectively in this Brawl as an Ironclad deck could because Ironclad just has really good cards. Yeah, when, when all the Frostlings have plus four strength your toxic sacrifice does a lot less as the shadow and player there for sure um yeah just in general this brawl people play high mana cost units right like all the frostlings are pretty expensive with a couple of exceptions like frost hexers and Mm -hmm. the new ice flakes which i didn't see a ton of um take that on a tangent i played it i played it at level two i i I played mine i played mine at level two, um, it was fine because it had plus five strength. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it ended up actually being basically an unstable build. There you go. Yeah, no, mine died to ice, Icicle Burst a lot. That's fine. That means Icicle Burst isn't hitting something that costs more and is more impactful. Fair enough. Uh, but in general, Frostlings are high mana cost, and especially the high mana cost Frostlings are also already high strength, and an extra plus four kind of doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I agree. Right? It, oh, no, it's 20 strength or 24 strength, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really matter that much. And this is this is a good brawl where you can just try to outrush your opponent because their deck is not built to stop it particularly well. Like we've talked about, Ironclad is one of the best classes at playing aggressively, and you can fit in the defensive cards pretty easily. Like you said, like throw throw Windmakers in there. Great. If, if it doesn't play defense, you can use it to push something out of the way to send a runner in. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the second guy was running Chip with Overchargers and Ubis. You know, the same kind of problem, though. Uh, I, part of the part of the issue is that Frostlings don't move. Or, you know, not all. There's a couple that do. There's a three-drop Wisp Clouds. There's a couple that move. But for the majority of them, they don't move. They have no movement, which means that even if your opponent has front and is pressuring you, they can't base lock you so well with this brawl if they're using a Frostlings deck, which means that push mechanic always has value. Yeah, you'll always find something. Right. And that was super helpful. Um, b- but also, like, not for nothing, 
uh, a lot of times you you have a problem with windmakers where like your opponent put rain down, and so the windmakers don't even get their their uh, value, right? They just take the point of damage, to, and you know uh, that's not an issue in this particular. No. <laughs> they always get max damage guaranteed, uh, and that was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the brawl modifiers, there's really only a limited number of levers that can be moved for the units, right? It's either mm-hmm. mana cost, movement, or strength. In general, anything that has extra strength in the brawl is, the, for me, the lowest priority to actually take advantage of the, of the mechanic. Because for the most part, the units are already strong enough. That's why you play them in your deck. Don't go putting bad cards in your deck just because they have a little bit extra strength. Most of the time, that doesn't make them good. Yeah, I think that's what happened to me was I fell into that trap. The last two times, three times that I've played this brawl, however many times, um, I'm pretty sure I've only ever played Reckless Rush's deck. So this time I actually tried to play Winter, and boy, I think that was a mistake. Look at Reckless's deck here, right? It's not trading into any of these Frostlings anyway. So does it matter if the Frostlings have four strength? No. No. Because you're just trying to you're just trying to go around them and beat your opponent through positioning. Yeah, it was much harder. There was one right like um uh void surgers is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, you're gonna see fell flares and void surgers for sure. Right. Which those those hurt. That's tough. You can you can set up your attack to mitigate that damage though. So interestingly, I actually lost a game where I had played, uh, you know, into an ironclad opponent where I, I played Fell Flares uh, both to um, clear out a little bit of incoming damage, but then also to block my second row. And Destructo Bots is, was a clean clear. And I just thought it was like really funny that, oh, of course, Ironclad has the one card, the one two drop that, that makes a clean trade. Into the yeah. flares. Yep. Like, oh gosh. Yeah. The other brawl modifiers, something like plus movement, you don't need to necessarily take too much advantage of, but you definitely want to look at like uh, Ravens plus one movement, right? Um, oh yeah. Pir- you play Shadowfang. All pirates are two movement. Uh, things that are not normally a runner become a runner, and that can allow you to do it a ton of damage on one turn so you definitely want to take advantage of that but that's that's a situational like uh i want to look and see which are the good cards that i want to include right the other brawl modifiers where things are less mana cost you absolutely have to play those structures are two mana toads are two mana uh spells cost two mana less lean yeah lean in make your deck to really to really take advantage of them if you don't you're just going to lose so much yeah the 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 toads are two mana one especially is insane i i don't recall ever seeing anyone try to do anything other than play two mana toads no uh anything else does not work particularly well right but i mean we've talked about in the past how mana acceleration or mana discounts are so powerful yeah yeah for sure so if if you're getting games where they're telling you, hey, here's free mana, take the free mana. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree with you, though, that the strength modifiers in general, um, they can be a trap. If you don't have like maxed out cards, and even if you do, I think there's still a lot. Of, like 1C was talking a lot about how people are just building their brawl decks too greedily. 
uh, with too much uh, intention on like maximizing the value they get from whatever the brawl modifier is without just sort of good fundamentals of deck building. And uh, he's been pushing for, you know, things like just throw some in militia in your deck. You don't need like you, you want you want to cycle fast. You want to get back to the good cards fast. There's there's really good cards every brawl because of the modifiers. You don't need to then jam in to your point the bad cards that are also modified. Uh, just throw in cheap, fast stuff and just get back to those good ones as often as you can. And I think that's sound advice. I do. Yep. I think that that's just sound deck building all the way around, but it's especially relevant in the brawl. Because the brawl, like you said, the brawl tempts you. It does though. Four plus strength. Dude, these things were giant. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on from there, we do have... Well, hold on. The one thing we need to revisit not from the balance changes, but still included in the June patch, the economy updates. Oh, sure. Have you been enjoying your extra gold? Have you been noticing it? So uh, I chose after last month, I did pay for the premium pass. I chose to not do that this month, um, in part because I was unsure of what value I was really getting from it in terms of how it was impacting my progression like certainly you can measure how much gold and rubies and stuff you were getting but i really wanted to have some idea of what did that actually mean for me like how many fewer packs can i get without it right um so i'm going without it this month and that has been hurting but at the same time the extra rewards for winning have been fantastic uh so i did not this is the first brawl i uh, um, that I haven't gone to the Mythic in in over a month because while I was getting the, the Brawl discount, I really wanted to maximize it and I didn't have any difficulty doing it because I was earning enough gold throughout the week. I think that overall, the coins that I'm getting uh, have been sufficient to mitigate the impact of not paying for the premium pass. How's that? All right, that, that's fair. I am continuing to pay for the premium pass. I did opt for it this month. Um, not even necessarily because of the extra resources, although those are always appreciated. Um, I got hooked on no ads, just going from so nice. just going from game to game without stopping to watch a 30 second ad in the middle. It just makes such a big difference. It makes the experience so much more enjoyable. Um, yeah. You know, I, the extra gold cap doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, typically I was not getting anywhere near the 400 coin cap. And even even with the extra rewards per game, I'm probably not coming near 700, but uh, I'm getting at least closer, which feels pretty good. Um I definitely am noticing that I am just accumulating gold much faster and I'm turning it into noble books and that's helping out my collection. So uh, at least at least a week in, I'm definitely feeling like I see the difference and uh, I'll, yeah, be I, I, I'll be complaining about it in three weeks at the end of the month when I'm getting a thousand gold <laughs> less. But, but in general, I am definitely coming out ahead so far and um it, it it noticeably ahead i have not i have not um been buying noble books yet uh so so far what i've noticed is i have not been able to accumulate enough rubies to buy either a mythic or a cla um a, a heroic pack yet uh 
which I normally can do, right? But like you're it, getting fewer rubies coming in because you're right. not. Yeah, that makes sense. So that part has been noticeable, but I'm making more gold. So it's like, well, I, in in effect, that's basically what I've done is I've traded uh, some of my fusion stone uh, accumulation and some of my ruby accumulation for additional gold accumulation because uh, I feel like what I really need more than anything right now is gold. I'm always behind the eight ball with the gold. I've got several uh, level four cards now that require a thousand gold each because um, they're already gold bordered. Overchargers. Overchargers are gold bordered. I just haven't put the uh, gold in yet, which is a fantastic transition, Sabaiku, <laughs> uh, into our card of the week. Overchargers uh, from uh, Ironclad. It is a common four mana. Its strength going up the levels is two, three, three, four, five. It has one movement across the board, and its effect is that on play, it deals, again by level, one, one, two, two, three damage to the first enemy in front, which is the same kind of mechanic as boomers. Yeah, and this is a card that has kind of been tweaked a little bit here and there first after being introduced. You can see the change log on stormbound-kitty.com when you look for the card. And you can see it's kind of bounced around a little bit, plus or minus one strength, plus or minus one ability, uh, which seems to have not lasted long, apparently, when the ability was doing two damage maximum, nobody was playing it. Yep, yep, for sure. And I do think that's a, that's a big reason of why the card does see play. It's just, you can, you can start knocking off 15% of your opponent's health at, at max level. Like, that's that's not an insignificant chunk of damage um but i will say i don't think it's good enough to counteract the tempo loss like you're spending four mana on two mana worth of stats and that means you're basically paying two mana for three damage to your opponent yeah which is not it's probably right two two damn two mana for three damage is probably right at, at level five um I think it's very interesting that you could just say, well, Hearthguard's level five is 14. Uh, I play Overchargers. I play Unstable Build Hearthguards. I just find Overchargers again, and I win. That's 20 right there, right? Nobody's doing that. Uh, You see Overchargers played more in decks that are dedicated to chip because Boomers and Ubis and Needle Blast just don't do quite enough. You just need more to kind of find the last couple of points of damage kind of a thing. Which is true. It definitely does not fit in an aggressive deck because you just can't take the tempo loss. If your whole game plan is get down the board, stick an unstable build, and then play Hearthguard based off of it, you need to get down the board and Overchargers don't help you do that. Um it's something that you have to cycle away early and then try to come back to late when you're just looking for those last couple points of damage, which is is a viable strategy, but it really puts the card in there for one very specific use case. And it just makes your deck a little bit weaker overall, if that's the way that you're trying to approach it. Yeah, it's it's I think it's a fair card, uh, you know, to your point, two mana, five, one that's a gifted recruits. So two extra mana for three damage. I think that's fair. Well, I, I think it's fair because if it costs three, everybody would play it. And 
I certainly would too. Right, exactly. That would be the one reason for me. I, I have level five overchargers. Let's go. I'm playing Ironclad. Um, but yeah, so, but I think you've said this before. Nobody plays fair cards, right? Like fair cards don't see the play rate that the that the unfair, the broken, the, uh, the super powered cards see. Uh, this falls into that category of it has excellent use. Um, when trading as a four mana, if you don't try to use it for chip, it's actually an eight one for four mana, which is right in line, is it? Is it not? No, absolutely. It's it's got stats that are equivalent to its peers if you use it that way, but it's not exactly being used that way. No, that's not why you you don't put it into your deck thinking, oh wow, this is a four mana card that can you know trade with a six one. I like it. Like yeah, like you said, it's. Fair. It's it's very different from something like mischiefs, which, uh, for the record, I think is not fair. I think mischiefs is bad, right? Mischiefs has the same stat line for mana, five strength, one movement at max level, but it does damage directly to the enemy base, and it does less damage. It's very interesting that you bring that up. Um, overchargers are not guaranteed three to face. Uh, there could be rain of to- of rain of frogs. There could be all kinds of reasons why uh, you can play the overchargers, but it won't deal damage to face. Yep, that's true. Ubis is not a guaranteed three to face. There's all kinds of reasons again why the three damage from Ubis at level five might not go face. Mischiefs is a guaranteed damage to face. Is it not? It is. So is Chestnuts. And what do you notice about both of them at level five? They both max out at two damage. Two to damage. Base. Two damage guaranteed. The difference is with chestnuts, you can combo it with other cards that you know, proc the ability multiple times. So the limit of two per ping isn't really as big of a deal because you end up triggering it again and again, and so you get four or maybe even six out of your turn. Oh yeah, no, no doubt about it. Chestnuts is the better card between Chestnuts and Mischiefs. Um, But I just think it's interesting that there's this kind of like speed limit being set where, well, if it's a guaranteed damage to face, two is kind of the limit. We'll we'll let you have 10% of a maxed out opponent. Otherwise, you have to do some work to get more chip damage than that. Sometimes the work is not much. Sometimes the work is have overchargers when you start the game. <laughs> yes, correct. But at the same time, like I just find that interesting that like uh, uh, there there now seems to be this sort of ground rule, and I don't even know if it's necessarily intentional because I mean, who's even looking at mischiefs right now? It's not an overplayed or even commonly played card in Swarm. So is it even something that's being analyzed and saying, well, this is kind of what we want for the baseline for face chip? Um, Overchargers, like it, it's more versatile, but at the same time, I don't know what else you would want it for. Is the problem right? Like so, so if overchargers, for example, could deal four or five damage up front, you know, to whatever's in front of it, there would be times where maybe I would use it to like try to clear a true shot, for example. No, that would be terrible. Well, I'm just. If it did more damage, you would you would do your best to put it to go base every single every time. time. That's probably true too. But like just at three damage, the point I was trying to make was 
at three damage, I don't know what else I want it to deal damage to. There, there's nothing on the board in most boards where I'm like, oh gosh, if only I could deal three damage at that thing, I'd be so happy. Like the three damage is almost always best sent to face because the three damage on the board doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. And you know, we, we've been comparing this to mischiefs and one of the biggest differences I think is just the supporting cards for ironclad are there to enable you to play overchargers. You have a lot of these flexible tools that can be used offensively and defensively, like Green Gale Serpent. You have Windmakers, mm-hmm. so you can, you know, try to like position your overchargers in such a way that, you know, your opponent then plays into Windmakers and you get your ping and then you clear them and you make up for the fact that you lost some tempo by playing a four mana five strength. Uh mischiefs in swarm. The supporting cards aren't there to enable you to play defense. You cannot make up for the lost tempo. That's actually the same conversation that we were just having about Ami. Making up for the lost tempo in Swarm is really hard, and that's why playing Mischiefs is bad for you almost all the time. But why playing Overchargers is is reasonable and why it's balanced. Yeah, I I think Overchargers is a well-designed card. I think it doesn't seem more play because right now at least up until this month uh most of ironclad has been going for uh uh, hearth guards kind of builds right like just chunk them for 14 and anything else you can throw in you're good to go yeah um also there are there's only so many high mana cost cards you can have. And apparently I'm counting four as high now. Uh, <laughs> there's only so many four mana cost cards you can have in your deck. And Ironclad... Dude, your rush is showing. Ironclad has Scrapped Planners, Finite Loopers, yeah. Windmakers, Overchargers. Like, all are, are pretty solid cards. And, you know, the meta has, has kind of shaken out such that scrapped is the best of the bunch right now so if you're only putting one in that's the one i think that's right though and then maybe you look at the rest of your deck and you say well i want windmakers for a little extra defense or i want overchargers for a little extra chip it's not an auto include by any stretch in the competition for the mana for your deck is pretty fierce you know if you're gonna have a four drop in your deck um, each faction or most factions have a really good four drop that should be the include, right? Scrap planners. If you're going to have a second up until this month, the second was siege breakers. Now with the unstable build nerf though, I'm not sure that siege breakers should see as much play anymore. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, all the other structures really have fallen out of the meta and, it's really, you put Siege Breakers in there specifically because you were worried about unstable build and that was it. Yeah, no, for sure though. Uh, so with Siege Breakers no longer being the, well, if you have space for two four drops, this is your second. Might Overchargers see a resurgence this month? It's quite possible. That ends the main portion of this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you to please contact us, preferably in our channel in the Stormbound Discord server or on Twitter at BroodSages. You can email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. And now we have an additional way for you to reach out and support us. Earlier this year, we started a Gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work. Check out the link on our Stormbound Kitty page. Uh, We have some feedback. I don't want to embarrass him too much, but I have to tell you, this was some of the best feedback I've seen in 
file in our uh, uh, channel in the main uh, server Discord. This was uh, from the the illustrious uh, and fantastic One uh, C One uh, Curtis, and he said, "Quote Freeloader Sabaiku, why didn't I know about this before? And my God, are you boys old?" <laughs> So yes, 1C, we are in fact doing a podcast. Uh, we're 34 episodes in now. Uh, welcome. Glad you found us somehow. Uh, and yes, my goodness, are we ancient. Uh, although I would like to point out that Sabaiku is older than I am. Uh, but aside from that, I don't think we saw uh, uh, too much in the way of uh, uh, feedback this week. Um with that, guys, I think it's going to do it uh, this week. Uh, for this episode, we are done for Sabaiku. I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages reminding you to stay hydrated. <laughs>